This podcast is offered by the San Francisco Zen Center on the web at www.sfcc.org. Our public programs are made possible by donations from people like you. Good morning, everyone. Um, thank you to um, the Tonto, Mary, for uh, inviting me to speak this morning. Um, I will be um, speaking to the topic of the online practice period on Lojong mind training. And uh, the second point, the second of the seven points, um, which is called the main practice, which has um, two parts, uh, absolute bodhicitta and relative bodhicitta. And today I wanna to bring up the five slogans of absolute bodhicitta and in kind of relation or in conversation with Zen practice. And um, bodhicitta, um, bodhi is awake, citta is mind, so awakened heart, awakened mind. Um, sometimes we hear that bodhicitta is the mind that uh, seeks liberation, the mind that seeks awakening, um, the, the basic impulse that brings us to practice. And ultimately, um, this mind that seeks awakening, uh, seeks awakening for all. So ultimately it's, it's compassionate or it's compassion and it's all embracing. It's the heart that wants to actualize um, the fullness of reality, the fullness of the truth of our lives uh, together with all beings. Um, and so this, this absolute bodhicitta, um, it can refer to um, our basic nature, our true nature, um, all pervading, always available. Um, and as compassion, you could say the ultimate compassion, uh, absolute bodhicitta could be a um, compassion that's totally unbounded or unbiased, um, all-inclusive. A compassion that's uh, of the wisdom of no separation, uh, open on all sides. And so um, absolute bodhicitta is the first half of this, of the main practice, the second point. And the other half is this relative bodhicitta. And relative bodhicitta gets into how does awakening and compassion actually manifest through our individual everyday lives, our experiences, our feelings, our expression and manifestation. And um, so the work of relative bodhicitta is how this unbounded compassion of absolute bodhicitta lives through the myriad particularities of our lives, our hearts, minds, hands and eyes, and um, maybe we could say absolute bodhicitta is like loving everyone, opening our heart to all beings. And relative bodhicitta is uh, how, you know, do we respond in this moment to this person, to whoever we're with. And absolute and relative can sound um, hierarchical. And, um, but they're, you know, in, in our teaching, 
they're, they're so deeply intertwined and inseparable, we, we can't say one is more important or more real than the other. And so I want to look at these, um, these slogans of absolute bodhicitta in relation to the practice of zazen and uh, some of Dogen's teachings and uh, with a particular emphasis on um, dynamic inquiry. And you know, if we, if we, um, when we look at Dogen, we find like a deep, uh, vigorous sense of questioning, uh, inquiry and investigation. And so I kind of want to bring that forth as part of our practice. And um, the inquiry of Zazen is challenging our grasping in all its forms, challenging uh, our limited views. And it's turning around and challenging uh, our understanding of Zazen and how we grasp a sense of being separate. And part of why it's important to practice together is it's hard to maintain um, the dynamic challenge of this inquiry on our own. So we, we need help. We need conversation, relationship. And um, this inquiry uh, works at the limits and beyond the limits of what we can know, what we can experience, uh, what we can feel, what we can express. And so inquir inquiring is a, um, it's a vital part of Zazen. Zazen is constantly inquiring into what is Zazen. Or we could say Zazen is the whole being of this moment, which is totally ungraspable. And Zazen is the activity of the whole being of this moment, inquiring into how the whole being of this moment lives in our particular life. So Dogen says, study the world at the very moment of sitting. Is it vertical or horizontal? At the very moment of sitting, what is sitting? Is it an acrobat's graceful somersault or the rapid darting of a fish? Is it thinking? or not thinking? Is it doing or not doing? Is it sitting within sitting? Is it sitting within body-mind? Is it sitting, letting go of sitting, within sitting? Or letting go of sitting within body-mind? Investigate this in every possible way. And, um, I would offer that this is not really like a quiz and uh, these are not like yes, no, or multiple choice questions. Like, oh yes, yes, no, yes, B. It's, um, uh, Zazen can't be reduced like that. And Dogen's not looking for answers or solutions. This is inquiry. Uh, these questions are engaging Zazen. And the point is not to find answers but to open to a deeper actualization of just being this person, this moment, the total relational, relational happening of, of this. And so this inquiry is not uh, something we use. It's not something we're using to get something. We're 
inquiry, we engage the inquiry to open, to open us. And so one of the questions in there is, is it thinking or not thinking? You know, and in Dogen's um, instructions for Zazen, he also says, uh, think not thinking. What is think not thinking? Non-thinking. This is the essential art of Zazen. So this is, this is a Dogen teaching us about inquiring into thinking. And it's not trying to get rid of thinking. It's not getting kind of involved in our thinking or lost in our thinking. Um, it's an inquiry. It's an investigation. And it's dynamic. It's inquiring through thinking. It's inquiring beyond thinking. It's inquiring into uh, Buddha's thinking. Uh, when there's grasping, it's my thinking, and it establishes me. Uh, when the grasping releases, it's the thinking of this moment. It's just part of the totality of what's happening. There's no problem. And this is like, this is like non-thinking or realized thinking. That, and that embraces thinking and not thinking and their opposition and not getting caught. So this non-thinking is lively. It's turning. It's a dynamic. It's a non-grasping intimacy. So our, our inquiry, when I bring up inquiry, I, it can include forms of thinking or bringing up a question, like these questions Dogen offers us. But the inquiry is not limited to thinking. It's a more basic energy or quality of presence. And um, it's, it's just the questioning. It's uh, curious and its basic gesture is um, opening. And this genuine inquiry is, um, it's creative and it's exploratory in that it doesn't know what it's inquiring into. It doesn't know what it's inquiring towards. It's actually uh, inquiring rather than seeking trying to get somewhere or get something uh, that it knows what it's trying to get. And it's dynamic, it's alive, and it opens through or across any way we try to limit it or direct it. And part of the reason I wanna emphasize this is that um, for, for centuries, uh, Soto Zen practices here and there have been criticized for um, sounding passive, sounding quietist or static. And I think this can be a real pitfall in our practice. Um, and so inquiry is a way to bring out some of the, the, the vital dynamism or working of Zazen. To completely um, be this moment is itself a process of creative inquiry, uh, exploring, feeling, opening through um, all the ways we're not completely this moment. So how be here completely? What is it to fully feel and allow this person to be this person? <clears throat> Can I feel this? 
Uh, so inquiry and curiosity uh, live at the edge of what we can allow, at the edge of our capacity to see, um, to meet what's happening fully and respond wholeheartedly. Becoming calm, settling into our experience, a kind of doing nothing, developing a pure receptivity. Um, these can all be a part of our practice. But if, if our zazen is only calming down, it could become passive, escapist, non-transformative. And how does that function in actually meeting the challenges of our life, not just trying to get away from them? And I would, I would say the world does not need a static or insulated peace. Uh, the world needs uh, a peace that can engage, that has a living function. So um, the slogans, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go through these five slogans of absolute bodhicitta. Um, so they are uh, regard all dharmas as dreams. Examine the nature of unborn awareness. Self-liberate even the antidote. Rest in the nature of alaya, the essence. And in post-meditation, be a child of illusion. And so I want to explore these slogans in terms of how we can allow them to grow into our life and practice. And I want to approach each one as inquiry. So regard all dharmas as dreams, as inquiry. Examine the nature of unborn awareness as inquiry. Self-liberate even the antidote as inquiry. <clears throat> so, um, so starting with regard all dharmas as dreams or look at all experience as a dream or see everything as a dream, see all things as dreams. So whatever is happening, how is it a dream? How is it to regard all things we see, hear, feel, taste, uh, value, believe as dreams? What is this about? How is it true? How is it not true? How does it live? Um, this slogan is addressing a basic uh, process of delusion. And that is that part of everything we experience is an appearance of reality, a quality of existence or um, own being, a quality of something existing on its own or separately. And the basic problem we have is we grasp this appearance as reality, and then it becomes our reality. Through our grasping, our story of what's happening becomes reality. We see a circle of water, and we feel like we know the whole ocean. Our particular views, our opinions, our ideas, uh, they just, they feel unlocated. They seem objective. We don't see the layers of conditioning and context uh, 
they go into everything we think and feel and know. Um, so this appearance of reality, this appearance of separation is uh, kind of like a dream. And, um, and so I think it's important to, to, to clarify that, you know, when I hear this, regard all dharmas as dreams, regard all things as dreams, I don't think it's saying that our experience is wholly a dream, but just to release our grasp and with this appearance of separation as real. So it's inquiring into how we make a world that seems like it's out there, a world of uh, separate things. And so this is not to grasp things as unreal. And so in this meditation or inquiry, uh, this is a intimacy. And in that intimacy um, that arises from releasing the grasping, things become more vivid, not less vivid. And if things start seeing unreal, um, I would say that we should, we should let go of this slogan and go back to the training in the preliminaries, the first point. And that's about grounding in what's real or what's, you know, what feels real. And that's, that's, that's vital ground for our practice. So the, the, the training in the preliminaries has deeply appreciating the preciousness of life, the inevitability of death, that everything we do is impactful and then being in touch with and being kind with our suffering, our pain, our fear, our vulnerability. And then this is our ground. This is the medium of dynamic inquiry. <clears throat> so our freedom opens through what's real, through being grounded in this, uh, this right here, the stuff of our life. If, the, if the contemplating the dream takes us away from that, give up the contemplation and come back here. <clears throat> so looking at experiences of dream is not meant to flip us over from grasping existence to grasping non-existence. It's releasing the grasping. The dream is just that we're not living in a world of separation. That, you know, that all we see and know is a circle of water, but everything we meet is an ocean. So Dogen says, study the world at the very moment of sitting. Study grasping at the very moment of sitting. How are we grasping? What are we grasping? Is this a dream? How is this a dream? And um, our patterns of grasping are um, vigorous. Um, they're flexible and they're dynamic and always turning. So awakened inquiry, our practice of inquiry needs to be flexible, vigorous, dynamic, always turning. As soon as our inquiry gets static, um, grasping asserts itself. It's persistent. And um, the spirit of inquiry is not trying to um, defeat or struggle with grasping. That would be, that would be grasping. But it's an intimate dance. Becoming intimate with the grasping is how the grasping releases. <clears throat> 
And this inquiry and exploration embraces our whole life. So everything is welcome in Zazen. Uh, Zazen is not static. And it's always awake to what's happening in each moment. Whatever's happening is incorporated, it's woven into the dream, into the inquiry, into our life. So Zazen is, has this constant working, a constant weaving, an all-embracing activity, a total dynamic working. And you could say it's like a loom and shuttle running continuously, always um, all-inclusively weaving in the new life of this moment. So dynamic, opening, allowing for a greater complexity, allowing for a greater fullness of this life. So the next slogan is uh, examine the nature of unborn awareness. And um, this is usually explained in terms of um, extending the inquiry of the previous slogan to awareness itself the nature of mind, um, our sense that there's someone who's experiencing the dream and what is happening. And so this is part of inquiring into the dream and releasing our grasping. Who is inquiring? Are we inquiring into the dream or dreaming of inquiring? And you know, how do we make a self? How, does it, how do we feel separate? How do we make that a reality? So looking directly at the self, our sense of being a solid I or me, um, some unchanging essence here, a me that experiences a world over there. And when we examine this, when we, when we take this up in our wholehearted inquiry, we don't find a separate me. Or we don't find things out there. We find a boundless relationship. Now Dogen says, learn the backward step that turns your light inwardly to illuminate yourself. And you know, to study the self is to forget the self. And so we say, when we're saying inquire and study, regard, look, examine, observe and these can sound like uh, something a self does they could sound kind of dualistic like there's a subject and an object and uh, but in our practice these this is intimate study intimate inquiry intimate investigation and the study and the inquiry and the investigation uh, feel through the dualistic grasping. And so as we become intimate with grasping, it releases. And as it releases, we become more intimate. The next slogan is self-liberate even the antidote, or even the remedy releases naturally, or uh, don't get stuck on peace. So the, what's the antidote? What's the remedy? So sometimes that's, they say like, well, the previous two slogans, the ones we just talked about, but we could extend this maybe to all the slogans. 
And, you know, so working with these slogans, any slogans, working with any teachings on the life and practice of non-grasping, we don't want to start grasping and clinging to these teachings. So Norman Fisher says that, you know, this slogan means forget the last two slogans. We self-liberate uh, the grasping by inquiring into the grasping and feeling it fully all the way through. Uh, that's how grasping opens. Liberating grasping is not something we do. It just, it just unfolds in wholeheartedness. And so self-liberate means we trust in presence. We trust in inquiry uh, in fully being here. And we do engage teachings. Uh, they guide us and they help us, but if we hold on to them, uh, we get stuck. So there's, there's no formula we can rely on in our a teaching can help us for a time, um, but if we try to rely on the teaching, if we try to repeat it over and over, uh, we'll kill it. If we build a nest in it, it loses its life because it's, it's about release. And so uh, we can't really, we can't rely on teachings like that. We need to care for a constant liveliness in our practice. Um, another way of hearing this slogan is that it, it relates to what we open to through practice. So engaging with a genuine sense of inquiry, we can open and we open to something. We open to some, some illumination, some freedom, uh, some awa uh, awakening. And uh, grasping to what we open through, through practice is a kind of a Zen sickness. Um, you know, we can't actually grasp um, awakening or emptiness or freedom. But, but grasping is, you know, it's dynamic and it feels like we could. And, it's, um, and the patterns are so deep that, you know, as soon as we open, like in the background, a dualistic frame of apprehension is like sneaking around and trying to get it. So to, grasping is a deep and evolving process and it you know, pervades our, um, our thoughts, our feelings, our identity. So we, that's, you know, we need to keep meeting it, keep feeling it out um, and don't cling to peace. Don't cling to openness, to wisdom, insight, awakening. How we actually take care of the uh, opening and insight and awakening is we let it go. <clears throat> and this is part of the diamondism of our inquiry. It keeps inquiring beyond what it opens into. So awakening is just another uh, Dharma gate. It's nourishing, it's helpful, and uh, we keep looking. As soon as we grasp it, <clears throat> we're caught in a dream. And it could be a wonderful dream, but it can become a kind of poison. So Dogen says, 
going beyond Buddha. And, you know, again, getting stuck in peace has no living function in the world. We need an active peace, an unstuck peace, a responsive freedom, uh, an awakening that engages the hard stuff of our life, that faces it and meets it. And so there's no abiding in the practice, no abiding in freedom or liberation or awakening. There's no stopping. So the next slogan is rest in the nature of Alaya, the essence, the essence of the path, rest in the nature of all experience, rest in the openness of mind, or you could just say rest in Buddha nature. So what is this uh, resting? Um, part of resting in our true nature is there's no grasping or apprehending true nature. There's no making it happen. There's no manipulating it. Uh, resting is a gesture of non-grasping. It's giving up trying to control uh, anything and fully being this moment. And we could also talk about this resting as a kind of trust or faith or confidence or a kind of ease or joy. Or Dogen says, uh, Zazen is the Dharma gate of repose and bliss. And so we're relating to this truth of non-separation, our truth, our basic truth. We're completely relational beings. Inquiry opens this trust, and this trust opens inquiry. Inquiry uh, opens and trust is opening. Trust is how we rest. It's the joy and ease of non-graspingly living from our heart of non-separation. And we don't use inquiry to make zazen happen. There's no pushing or pulling in the inquiry. And, you know, and still this thing, this resting, this trusting, this faith in Buddha nature is not to become passive. And um, in part because the true nature is not a passive thing. What we're resting in is not something static. Um, it's, um, it's not a thing. It's an ungraspable truth of total relationality living through a human heart. So and it's always dynamic. It's always unfolding. So a key point for Dogen is practice based on awakening. A zazen with faith or confidence in our true nature. And so from our initial impulse to practice, sit as an expression of awakening. Not, we don't sit to make awakening or attain awakening, sitting as the life of awakening. It's kind of resting. And we seek awakening. Uh, we do seek uh, freedom 
Um, because in some level we know our true nature is awakening. Our initial seeking is like a, a spark of inquiry, which we want to take care of and grow into a big, big fire. You know, the core of our suffering is we have this life, we're living a life, living a world based on this grasping, this dream of separation. And part of why this is so deeply uncomfortable and unfun and um, isolating and alienating is that our actual being is not separate. So this, you know, living in that dream is out of accord with the reality of our life. And this is the sparks seeking. This is a natural seeking, an inmost request. Um, and then part of what can go awry is grasping can get involved with this basic seeking. And it imposes a frame of separation. It says like, okay, I'm here. Awakening is somewhere separate. And so now I'm going to do what I have to do to get from here to that thing out there. And then that's practice based on delusion. Practice enacting grasping. So Dogen's emphasis uh, practice based on realization is, uh, can address this, eat this. And it's not so much that we inquire into awakening, but resting in our true nature is resting in awakening, inquiring into the actualization of awakening. Our, basic, our true nature inquiring into how does this true nature live in our life, in our felt, manifest, responsive, uh, expressive lives. So we, we attend to this flame of inquiry and curiosity. And any gaining idea misses the fullness of this moment and misapprehends the real point of inquiry. So this resting itself is a dynamic opening. Or you could say a growing patience with or a capacity to allow uh, the fullness, the all-inclusiveness, uh, the constantly self-liberating dynamism of our life as non-separation, absolute bodhicitta. So as a gesture of practice, inquiry is an expression of our true nature. Whole being inquiring into whole being. Um, so the last of these five slogans is in post-meditation, be a child of illusion. Or in daily life, be a child of illusion. And so this is inquiring into how absolute bodhicitta and the dynamic inquiry of zazen live in our lives, in our daily activities. All engagement with these slogans is ultimately about affirming our total engagement in worldly relational life. So being, being a child of illusion means our practice is about how we give ourselves to this world, how we give ourselves unreservedly to being this particular person, fully allowing what's manifesting here, you know, including our pains, our problems, our uh, limitations. 
any aversion to engaging in the world of deluded appearances manifests a lack of realization. Being a child of illusion is completely entering and living and functioning in our life just as it appears while attending to a flame of inquiry. <clears throat> and this being a child of illusion speaks of um, you know, loving the world, loving the world without reservation, you know, a quality of um, devotion, a deep sense of belonging. Being a child of illusion is being totally at home in illusion. Uh, letting go of impulses to be even a little bit separate from this world, a little bit separate from this life, a little bit separate from doing the dishes. This moment of our life, uh, this delusion, this pain, this, these particular circumstances, we embrace this as our home. And this is exactly what we're here for. There isn't some other life or some other place where we could be that's actually what we're here for. It's for these circumstances. A bodhisattva is a child of samsara. Absolute bodhicitta is diving into the world of suffering with no holding back. And this is a, this is a path of loving fully. Uh, Dogen talks about expounding a dream within a dream. And so I hear that actualizing or realizing our life and all things we experience and know as a dream. And it's not being passive in the dream. It's expounding. It's a realizational practice. It's actively and dynamically expounding and exerting the dream. Inquiring into and investigating the illusion and opening to our whole life. You know, so our life and this world are pouring through our hands. It's totally impermanent. And um, so we're a child of impermanence. And even as a child of impermanence, you know, it hurts. So we're, we're a child of impermanence, a child of loss, a child of mortality. And in the midst of being a child of impermanence and loss and illusion, to be curious, uh, totally alive in the middle of illusion, impermanence, and loss. Eyes wide open, you know, imagination fully engaged, asking lots of questions. A child, you know, always learning, always growing, tending the flame of inquiry a student, a student of the dream of separation, a student of grasping and all the ways grasping unfolds. So for me, this, this slogan kind of opens from absolute bodhicitta into relative bodhicitta and through boundless inquiry into all the points of mind training. And again, we have the, the, the absolute and the relative are inseparable, interfused. 
The absolute invigorates and liberates the relative while the relative grounds and unfolds the absolute and brings it into the world through our life. Um, real inquiry involves a kind of comfort with uncertainty. It sees, it, pre, it appreciates the vitality and possibility and opportunity of uncertainty. And we become interested in what can open at the asking and not how we close with an answer, a solution or a resolution. So we question and open. We question deeper and open deeper, question or inquire completely, open completely and keep questioning. We don't ever get somewhere in practice where the questions uh, and requests of this moment do not need to be met with a fresh sense of presence, aliveness, and inquiry. Now, how do we respond to the killing of George? How do we respond to the systemic racism that, you know, of which that is a part? And this is where absolute bodhicitta needs to live and grow through our action. How do we respond to the individual and collective ethics of caring for life amidst you know, COVID-19? Um, there's a quote from Eric Hoffer I heard. Uh, In times of change, learners inherit the, the earth while the learned find themselves beautifully equipped to deal with a world that no longer exists. So this practice of inquiry is about, you know, how to be a, a radical learner. And this asks a lot of us, how we show up in each moment matters. And we can feel this as a kind of weight, um, but it's also a source of endless purpose, endless significance. Each moment calls for our liveliness, our willingness, our courage, our love, our compassion, our respect, our um, response. And it's, you know, unending. Always being unfinished, is integral to how each of us is uh, irreplaceable. So, you know, there are, in this endless inquiry, there are decision points. And actually, in every moment, we are in some way taking a stand. And as we do, it's always in relationship. And so, it's always in a flow of inquiry. So, thank you very much. So now we can open to uh, questions and comments. Wonderful, thank you so much. Uh, if you'd like to pose a question or offer a comment, you can find a, a raise hand button in the participants window and the host will unmute you.
Let's see me go. Hi, good morning. Good morning. Uh, I want to say thank you very much for your talk. Um, I really appreciate this. Um, one of the advantages of the, the Zoom talks is that I get to take a bunch of notes and I can actually relate back to, to what I just heard. Um, I appreciate you addressing the systemic inequalities in our world and our society and relating it back to, to these points because this is right now the most challenging part of my practice mm -hmm. to the point where it's incredibly frustrating. How do you remain open to this world, this ceaseless world that is at times hell-bent on hating a person like me for just being me? Mm -hmm. uh, and the hard part is how do I love that world? when that hatred that I take and that vitriol that I bear witness to wants, I be. Oh. It's very hard, especially when I have like uh, my nieces and nephews or younger friends ask me like, how do you enter this Dharma gate of sickness and racism in this world. And I think for me, the little turning point, especially with your talk, was this whole like not sticking to, not sticking to the solution. Hmm. So if you could offer any advice to a very, very frustrated practitioner hmm. uh, in regards to this, it's like, especially right now, there are multiple protests going on I have friends out there. I, it shames me to say that I'm not going to these things because I'm afraid for my health. Mm. So I guess, you know, what's, what's, where's the love in, in this? Yeah. Hmm. Well, thank you. Mm. Um, well, the first, the first thing that comes into mind is, is, um, is to, uh, be really gentle with yourself. Be really kind and compassionate with yourself. Um, and uh, I think um, I, I, I think we want to love this world, and um, and but we need you know however we're not loving this world to meet that with love to meet that with gentleness. And, um, and not kind of hold that over ourselves as something we're lacking. And, um, I, and I, 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 um, yeah, I don't, I, I feel humbled by your question. <laughs> and, um, anyway, I, I, I just, I, I feel like, you know, I feel like you had some of the answer there yourself. I feel like there is, I feel like the unfinished part of it is really important for us. There is, there, there's no, there's no, there's no um, simple solution. And so we, you know, we are called moment by moment, day by day. We don't, we, we can't put this aside. And I think our practice is to, we, in our sitting, it's not getting away from this stuff. It's welcoming it in. And 
you know, are sitting, and when we welcome it in, when we welcome in the challenges of our life, then our sitting can us to meet those challenges. Please take care. Thank you for listening to this podcast offered by the San Francisco Zen Center. Our Dharma talks are offered free of charge, and this is made possible by the donations we receive. Your financial support helps us to continue to offer the Dharma. For more information, please visit sfzc.org and click Giving. May we fully enjoy the Dharma.